now. Hey, what's up, Church Online? We're so glad you guys are uh, here with us, joining us as well. Um, welcome to week three of our Gamer Series. Great to be back with you. Uh, I had the privilege of spending Mother's Day with my own mother last weekend for the first time in a long time, and so that was a great joy. Um, if you're joining us for the very first time, we're in week three of a five-week series, and we're calling it Gamer, because as we often do, we like to use modern-day analogies and modern-day uh, things to help us understand the life and story of Jesus and make the Bible uh, come alive to us. And so often in the, in the days of the, 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 the Bible was written, uh, Paul or Jesus, they would use allegories or, or metaphors, or even Jesus would often say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And then he would tell a story that everybody in that audience would go, oh, I understand that. And so for us, this is for us for five weeks going, the kingdom of heaven is kind of like Super Mario World. In fact, every week we do this, it's kind of a lot like Super Mario World, isn't it? Uh, and so uh, we're making kind of some connections to this gamer world as well as our own lives. And we've, we've kind of been working, we have two definitions of what a gamer is. A gamer is somebody who just plays lots of video games. And, and so we're using that. But also in the sports world, a gamer is somebody who excels at a high level when the stakes are high or gives maximum effort. And so we want you to have like that, that spiritual gamer life as, as well. And, and um, what's really funny is I, I love to find out who's really listening. And I found out a couple weeks ago that you're listening because I told a story of how close we got to beating Mario two weeks ago. And in most of the services, we do five of these every weekend and I don't always remember what I say and which one. I realized most of them, I didn't finish the story. And here's how I know. A whole bunch of you were like, so pastor dude, did you ever actually beat the game? Uh, to which the answer is eventually we did beat the game. And, and here's what's crazy about that story. It actually wasn't until a long time later I saw it beaten, but it wasn't until years later that I actually beat the game myself. And so there was a painful time in the middle. And don't worry, I'm not gonna talk about the time in the middle, but I can tell you um, how painfully frustrating it was getting so close so many times, seeing it beaten by somebody else but I finally, I'll, I, will, I will not forget what it was like to grab the controller, go through all the levels, go through all the worlds, run underneath that stupid dragon, push that thing down, have him fall and beat the princess. I've never been so disappointed in the credits in all my life, uh, but was never felt like so like, I finally did it. And what I realized really quickly was uh, that this game kind of has a theme to it. And the game was the longer you play, the more trouble you face. The more obstacles that come in, the harder they are, the more regular they are. Like world one was like, jump on a couple mushrooms, grab some power-ups, and it's like, I like this. By world four, stuff's falling out of the sky, bullets are shooting at you, you can't even jump on the shells anymore, and it's getting really hard. And what I realized is that for eight worlds and four levels, 32 and all, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, I, I warped a lot. But if I would've played them all, it was just a long time of just going over obstacles, of just adversity after challenge after obstacle. And I quickly realized this Mario game, like they suckered us, they got us. This is just how bad do you want it to be? But there was such an accomplishment by overcoming. There was such a sense of pride by making it through it. And I realized that the, that the kingdom of heaven, that life really is a lot like Mario in that life is a lot about overcoming challenges. And so I wanna talk about that. I wanna talk about obstacles and challenges. And so uh, let's see what our um, little magic pipe has for us today. Some of you have missed for two weeks that things come out of the pipe, but you're welcome. <laughs> so today I have some of my friends from Mario. These represent the obstacles in 
the game. See, the Mario game, if you haven't played, they start out with this cute little furry mushroom. There's really nothing to him. If you run into him, you're in big trouble. But if you just bop on him, he disappears and you go on. Uh, but it's important because you have to learn how to do this in order to move on in the game. And if you can defeat the, Mari, the mushroom, you will then move on at some point to a green or a red shell. They call it a Koopa. And this one gets a little trickier because you can't just jump on him because if you jump on him, he kind of dies, but he doesn't disappear. And then he's just gonna go back and forth and back and forth. And if you're not careful, he's gonna come back and get you, even though you think you got him. But you learn how to do that. But you have to have the skills required to defeat him to move on to this one. But then you get to these other levels where you have this shell, they're usually red with spikes, and you can't even jump on them. You have to avoid them, you have to run underneath them, you have to jump over them. And as, as silly of an analogy as it is, you kind of see this progression in that uh, what, 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 what was required to get past this one, I use in this next obstacle, this next challenge, this next season of life, only it's even more. And then what I needed to do that, it's to the next one, but it, then it's even more. And I thought, man, what a great metaphor for life. If you think about the seasons of life, it's that way. And listen, I'm gonna say this and I'm not gonna minimize um, any of these seasons, but you think about growing up as a kid, right? You have some obstacles. It's like, did I remember my lunch? Do I have any friends at school? And those things really matter. Then you get to middle school and everything gets weird and everybody loses their minds. <laughs> and it's all this other stuff. And it's not just, do I have my lunch, but where do I fit in and am I wearing the right shoes? And if I'm not and all these things. And then you get into high school and it's like, What's this feeling I have towards this boy or this girl? Or what's, will you go out with me and all this? And, and, and I don't, I mean, I'm in the wrong class. And then all of a sudden, like what, what barely got you through middle school, like a piece of cake. Then you go to college and classes actually get hard and you have to do stuff and you have to study and, and you're on your own and nobody's making you wake up and nobody's making you go to class and you have to pay money for this now. And so there's something on the line, right? Or you go into your career, you start learning in a job and you have to get up early, and you have to be responsible, and you have to like be kind to people. Then you get into a relationship, like I wanna start a family, and it's like, oh, now I got a career, and I got a, a spouse or a significant other, and you're like, hey, I know what sounds like a great idea. We're like, this is so easy, let's bring kids into the mix, right? And so then, you're like, like who cares about homecoming dance? It's like, now I got a job, I got a side gig, I got a wife, I got two kids, I got a side hustle, all this stuff, and what was seemingly impossible in high school is like a vacation now. Like at college, it was like, oh, I don't know if I can make it to my server job on Friday night after getting up so early all those classes. Now you're like, you don't even think about it. Like, I don't get up at 5 a.m., get my coffee, pray to Jesus, and go to the gym. I'm gonna kill everybody, right? Like you just get to that point in your 30s. And so you see as life, we go through these progressions and what, what at one point in your life, and I bet this is true for all of us, at one point, what seemed almost impossible as you, if you allowed God to come into your life, if you overcame, if you got through it, you look past and it not only prepared you for something further, but you would gladly do that all over again. You're like, oh, we got that. Because God is constantly developing our character. He's constantly uh, expanding our capacity. And in fact, I learned a dangerous prayer from one of my mentors and I pray this regularly and, and I probably pray more than I should because I don't know that I always mean it. But I say, God, expand my shoulders so I can carry more. And he's so faithful to do that. And the only way you do that is you go through hard things. And so we find ourselves throughout life is maybe what, what was insanity last year, last month, what was insanity 10 years ago seems like a walk in the park now. And I found that, again, I'm not into my 50s, 60s, or 70s yet, so far away from that. But up to this point, I have found that whether it was elementary school, getting married, college, a career or balancing any of those things, it almost always feels like I can't handle anymore. Anybody else with me on that? 
Like, it doesn't matter. Like, middle school's like, this is his cry. I don't know how. And then it's like, you get to college, like, I don't know how. And then you get married, like, I don't know how. And then you have kids, like, what did we do before we had kids? Whatever we wanted. And just like in Mario, if you don't succeed in the game, what happens if you don't succeed? You go back to the beginning and you try again. In life, it sometimes can be that way again. But the, the stakes get higher and sometimes it costs a little bit more. But we would be, um, I think we would be silly not to pay attention to, um, I think the brilliance of the game of Mario is, let's, let's make a, a digital game that's really like real life. Well, what's real life? Oh, just a bunch of obstacles your whole life that just get harder. But along the way, you make friends, you find meaning you get purpose, you develop a whole bunch of skills, there's a whole bunch of sense of purpose, uh, and, and you, all the way, you also make your world a better place. And I think this message really matters in this day and age because somewhere, somehow, I don't know if it's the Western world or modern society or, or America or Christianity, but there's this myth going around that like that things should just get easier. And if God really loved me, they really should be easy. Thank you for laughing at that. It's that, because it's that silly. Anybody's like, well, if God loved me, I wouldn't have hard times. I'm like, have you read the Bible? That's nobody's story. Nate, show me one hero of the faith in the last 2,000 years of like, it was so easy, I did nothing the whole time and I just changed the world, right? We, so we kind of want that, but it's not even realistic. And I think for some of us, I'm not, it's not about making it easier, but it's about resetting expectations. And so I wanna talk about obstacles a little bit. Because in the game, if you don't succeed, you start over and you try again. But in life, when obstacles and challenges comes, you basically have two options, and this is where we're gonna bring it home for a little bit. In the game, you get to start over, even though it may take years to beat it. But in life, when ad adversity comes, challenges comes, obstacles come your way, you're always gonna be given two choices. You can either get bitter or you can get better. You can get bitter or you can get better. There is kind of one option that usually is not on the table, to keep doing what you're doing and stay the same. That's not gonna happen either way. What if we stop being so shocked when obstacles came our way, when a shell came into our, or, or, or a dragon or a fireball came into our life and went, this is something to pay attention to, to be used. There's, this is a part of my story. God has not abandoned me. I wanna get the most out of this so I can tell the right story as I write out my legacy. What if we could approach it like that? And so my question is, is, is are you the type of person who your obstacles have helped you to get better or helped you to get bitter? Let me just say this. It's really hard to let them make you get better. It's really natural human nature, broken human nature to get bitter, but I wanna invite you to uh, uh, maybe a, a different or a better way of living because we, uh, the, 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 the truth is life is hard and we're all gonna face obstacles. Here's what I know is true and we don't have time to go through and I don't think I need to really prove it, but there are libraries of stories of people who went through unimaginable challenges and came out on the other side better, even healthy, and made the world around them and the people in their life a better place. There are also innumerable stories of people who went through difficult things, never recovered, never came back, and in, in fact, it probably took them out in some form or fashion. What's the difference? Well, there's a couple differences. In one case, you have somebody who embraced the reality of their obstacles, and another one, you had somebody who tried to avoid or bury their, their head in the sand or just do whatever they could to pretend it wasn't real or avoid it. Uh, in, in one instance, you had somebody who's realistic about life and expectations that, that, that somehow could disassociate the trouble and pain from God, that trouble and pain don't equal God, or people hurting me isn't God hurting me, that's people hurting me, versus the, maybe this expectation of everything should be good and everything should be easy, and, and especially if God's good and he loves me, then I should just have kind of the, the golden ticket. Again, which is 
written and said nowhere ever. I mean, again, if Jesus is our model, like they murdered him. So we should at least take note of that. And so, uh, you know, one person you got engaging into it versus retreating or doing whatever I can to, and, and survival mode. And listen, I, I, I know that sometimes life can be hard. I know that my hardest day is laughable compared to some of your normal. I'm aware of that. So I don't wanna be insensitive to that, but I came to tell you that even if that's your story, there can be purpose, there can be hope, and there's a God to be found in the middle of it and that wants to shape your perspective and give you a closeness and an intimacy and a hope and write a story that only he could. And so I, 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 we put this together this week because I think if we had our way, we would want life to be, if, it, if our life was like a Mario game, we would actually want it to be something like this. It's like, I start my life, I just go, I cruise. Oh, hey, look. Oh, nothing bad happens. A brick, what's that? Oh, nothing. I think I'll keep going. Let's just see what, oh, no, nothing. Just This is so easy. I love this. Is the end coming soon? Because I just want to kind of just call it a day and retire, go to heaven. Oh, there we are. Yay. Oh, yay. That's what we want. We do, we, I, it, listen, if you're like, oh, not me. I'm like, well, then there's something wrong with you. That's what I want. But if we're honest for one second, we don't expect it. Here's what Nintendo knew. They knew that game wouldn't sell any. They knew nobody's like, hey, you know what will sell billions of games for two generations if you just run with no challenges and you get to the flag and you're like, I'm the king of the world. That's a whole other side tangent. There's no value in just going to the end without having to learn or grow or do anything. Put that on Facebook. The Apostle Paul, we've been tracking with his life. This guy named Paul, we told about him two weeks ago about how he, had, he was playing the wrong game and he met Jesus and gave his life to Jesus and, and took all that he was and put it towards this. And so his job then became to tell people about Jesus and this miraculous work. And it was really compelling because if, if God could move on Saul, who's now Paul, he could literally move on anybody. And so there was a ton of hope in that. So he writes all these letters. And so I wanna look at a couple things that Paul says. And so he's writing a book called uh, um, Romans, and he's just writing to, to Roman Christians, Roman Greek Christians who become followers of Jesus, and he's actually explaining this phenomenon because Paul knew that maybe we want life to be easy, but anybody uh, with a little bit of wisdom knew that's just not, we're not even having that conversation. It's not gonna happen. Life is full of challenges. We have a broken place, a sin-filled world. Our own free will makes it bad enough. Other people's free will makes it bad enough, and we've just been kind of deteriorating since the garden happened in Genesis, and someday Jesus is gonna come back and make it all better, but until then, like, this is what we got. And so he is encouraging his people, like I wanna encourage us tonight, and here's what he writes. In the book of Romans, chapter five, he says something that sounds kinda crazy, but I think, again, in this time, in this day and age, uh, it's good to be reminded, again, whether it's whatever culture, economy we're living in, I mean, you just look at anything over the last two and a half years and you just pick one, you're like, yeah, it's so hard. Well, guess what? It's always gonna be hard, and it's always been hard, and it's hard everywhere. So what are we gonna do about it that separates us from all the people who literally don't know what to do? Because either Jesus is on the throne and there's still hope and there's still a mission to be had or we're all just doomed and we may as well just like, whatever, grab me a controller until I die, whatever. And so Paul writes this, uh, Romans chapter five, he says, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. When was the last time you rejoiced in your suffering? That's not my natural inclination. Oh, a new challenge, whoopee, said no one ever. Well, said Paul, because Paul had lived enough, been through enough, 
seen enough, and he had, the, he had a kingdom mindset. He had a godly perspective. He had a biblical Jesus worldview, not a, a, a non-Jesus worldview. And when your perspective aligns with the creator of the universe, you see this world in a very different way, even though it goes the same. And often, you've heard me say this so many times, often God doesn't necessarily change our circumstances, but he will always change our perspective. And when our perspective shifts is when our heart changes and when hope and grace and peace and all the things we're actually ultimately looking for come into play. And so Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. We could try to live in a world where we pretend there's no obstacles, but we are gonna need perseverance. He goes, and not only that, but if we keep having this happen, our perseverance will produce character. Because isn't that ultimately what we're after? To be the type of person that you can look in front of the mirror and be proud of, that you, when you're around your kids, you can be proud of the man or the woman that you have, have modeled for them, that when you go to work, that you have the respect, that, that who you are when no one is looking is somebody that you would actually point people to look up to. Our character is what we really want. We think we want it easy, but we really want to be men and women of character. And then he goes beyond that. He says, not only will suffering produce perseverance, but if you stick with it, perseverance is going to turn into character. And if you really stick with God through this, character is going to turn into hope. And I love this, and it says, hope does not disappoint. Well, I'm just looking for hope. How do I find hope? Perseverance, character. It'll lead to hope. Well, how do I do this? Well, you gotta stick with Jesus. More on that in a minute. And so we don't have this life. We don't have this Mario world where it's like, hold on a minute, I'm just gonna run through seamlessly. It would be amazing. That's fun to watch. Even when you watch, you're like, ah, oh, emotionally, I just needed that, right? But what we find is life is more like this, just like the game. Early on in the game, you realize there's obstacles. What do I do? Well, not that. Dad, try again. We learn some things. We develop some character, perseverance. Oh, I got a bop on that guy. Oh, I got this thing figured out. Well, guess what? Life throws you a curveball. Something new comes. Oh, oh man, I didn't see that coming. Who knew that the shell was going to come back at me? Who knew the kid was going to poop and never wake up, never go to sleep? Oh, now how's changing diapers and oh, look at me, I'm a master. Ah, ha, ha. You figure some things out. You maybe gain a little bit of influence. You point some people to Jesus. You're like, I know what to do with this. We gotta be careful. It's gonna come back to get me. Oh, you can't even touch that one. And all of a sudden you realize I gotta jump over that. And, and throughout the game, it takes more skill, better timing required to advance. And in life, every single time you go through something, it has the ability to develop your character bring you closer to God, develop perseverance, not only give you hope, but give hope to everybody around us. Because see, I don't think God's uh, MO when he created this was I'm gonna have people who when they, when they surrender their life to me, it's just gonna be like life is easy and life is amazing. He's like, I've given you free will, so that's gone because you guys don't know how to handle free will. And so what I want is to have a group of people that when they're with me and my spirit is in them and they're in communion and fellowship with me, that even when things aren't amazing, there's still joy, there's still hope, things don't fall off the rails. And the rest of the world goes, your life is at least as bad as mine, but you have hope and joy and y'all love each other. What's your deal? That's what our world needs. Our world doesn't need people who have it easy. Our world needs some people who have conquered some things, who've been through some things, walked through some things, and they've, they've stayed committed to God. They've stayed committed to their family. They've stayed committed to their character, and they can actually give hope because at some point, you just gotta go, well, listen, if God can get me through it, he can get anybody through it. Come on, somebody. And nobody, nobody, understood, nobody understood this better than Paul. And by the way, if you're like, well, why would Paul even say such a thing? Well, what does Paul know about it? Let me show you what Paul knows about it. Because in another letter to the Corinthians, he's like, before you get all crazy about me talking about perseverance, can I just remind you of what I've been through? 
For 2 Corinthians, this is his second letter, chapter 11, says, I have worked much harder and been in prison more frequently and been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was once pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times. Like, stop getting on boats, dude. Like, get the message. I spent a night and a day at the open sea. This was pre-GPS, world is flat type era. I have been consistently on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my fellow Jews. I've been in danger from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the country. I've been in danger at sea and in danger from even people who say they believe in Jesus, but they really don't. I have labored. I have toiled. I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger. I have thirst. I have often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. Okay, that guy can talk to me about a little bit of perseverance. <laughs> that guy, and all the while, had hope, had hope in Christ, was bringing as many people to heaven with him as he possibly could, was sharing about the good news of Christ because his focus wasn't on the immediate circumstances, but on the over bigger picture, what God has done in his life, and his whole mission was to tell as many people about Jesus. And he had more hope, more joy, more peace, and more purpose in the middle of that. And he's like, I've experienced all this. And in fact, in verse 30, he goes on later. So he goes, so if I'm gonna boast about anything, let me boast about my weakness in a culture where you only made it look about how good you had it. I'm gonna boast about my weakness. So let me tell you how much I've been through. And it's not feel sorry for me, but he's saying, when I tell you life is gonna be hard and it's gonna be obstacles, I know what I'm talking about. When I tell you that, that, that the hope you're looking for, that the character you hope to develop is, is, is through facing some adversity and doing it the way Jesus taught us to do it and following him through it versus listening to all these other crazy ideas of how to go about it and just when it gets hard, run and quit and try something else. Or whatever. He's like, I'm telling you, this thing, is, this thing is better when you follow Jesus' example. So I wanna give you real quick, four quick um, truths about obstacles I wanna, I wanna uh, maybe that'll help reframe. My goal this weekend is just to reframe how we view challenges, obstacles, adversities. And again, please hear me. If you've recently gone through a tragic um, trauma, if, you, or if you're going through something that's unimaginable, please hear me, please do not hear me minimize that. It is real. It's why we have staff. It's why we have professional counseling. It's why we have pastors. And often you need a, a brother and a sisterhood to help you walk through that. That's what the church is for. But let me at least give you a little bit of hope that it's not always gonna be this way. And even if things don't get better the way you want, that there is a God who loves you so much that is so near to you that he's gonna get you through this. And his goal isn't just for you to, to survive, but he can have you come out on the other side where you have a story to tell, where you can be healed and hold. It may never be the same again, but you can be still the best version of yourself if you don't lose sight of God in it. Yeah. I just wanna say that. So real quick, the goal is not to eliminate obstacles. Our goal is to see them the way God sees them and to, and to use them in our life the way God would use them. And so let me just give you four quick thoughts or four quick truths about obstacles. Number one, we've already said this, obstacles are completely inevitable. It's going to happen, so just acknowledge it. Some of us would do better the, the, the next time the, the, we get a, uh, I don't know, a nail on the tire, we run out of gas or you know, the gas prices go up 20 cents. Oh my God, like, it's gonna happen. Like if we could stop getting completely knocked off of our complete rocker and, 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 and just like, Obstacles are gonna happen. So it's, it's inevitable. So acknowledge that. So if we can kind of expect, okay, what's, what's happening? And, and, and if we can look for what to do with them, and, and then I think we can maybe actually use these in our own life. Um, so not only inevitable, uh, something else about obstacles is they require action. You think, about, um, you think about if you're on a trail and maybe in the countryside and you come to a mountain. 
You can either go over the mountain, you can go around the mountain, but what you can't keep doing is going on flat ground, right? Like at some point when, an, when, when a mountain gets in your way, when an obstacle comes, it's going to require you to do something. And why did I put that in there? Because some of us, we want to just keep doing what we've been doing, our pace, our spirituality, our relationships, and we get this challenge like, well, maybe if I avoid it, it'll go away or I'll deal with it later, but it's going to require you to do something at some point. And the longer you wait, the harder it's going to get. And so when you see an obstacle, rather than go, well, I don't understand why this is here, well, part of it's broken life, and part is like, it should, should get us to start to go, God, what are, you, what are you doing in my life? What do I do with this? How do you want me to walk through this? Um, the third one, and I think this is really important, this is, this is big for me, is, is obstacles also um, create new opportunities. When COVID hit, uh, nobody knew what to do and what to expect. But one of the things we said every week when we were together in our staff and, we, and when it, we were just trying to figure it out, some of you like, you're like, what's COVID? I know we're in Southwest Florida. It was this thing that happened a long time ago. Some people are still in it. We forgot. Um, <laughs> no, don't clap for that. It's just funny. But when COVID hit, everybody like, new challenge, new challenge, pivot, 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 whatever. Every week we came, we said, listen, we always, we kept reminding ourselves every week, this is creating new challenges, but with new challenges always come new opportunities. And we can, either, we can either focus on the challenges or we can focus on the opportunities. And so as a church, as a staff, as a community, we tried to leverage every opportunity and go, what new opportunities have been created? Who can we bless? Who can we love? Who can we reach out to? Who can we serve? Not, well, I guess we'll just stick our head in the sand and hope we, uh, when we come out, everything's back to normal. And so when a challenge comes, when an obstacle, when you're facing adversity, a prayer I learned from one of the pastors in my life is, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What are you trying to develop in me through this? I'm not saying you caused it, but what can I gain from this? And, and the lastly, I would say this, that obstacles are a reminder that God is always with us and that we need him. Sometimes I get a little worried in our culture that we're so good at providing for ourselves, we forget that we're not in charge, that we're not in control. And there's a God of the universe who's not a puppet master but he is a loving father, the lover of your soul, and he wants you to give him his life, not so he can be in control, but so he can help you be good at life, so he can walk with you, and so that you can know, and no matter what you're going through, that you are not alone. And when you are walking with the most powerful force on the universe, there isn't anything you can't get through with him. And so his goal isn't to pull you out of it. He will someday, that's heaven. But until then, his message to you is, I know you don't got this, girl. I know you don't got this, boy. But we got this. And if you stick with me, I promise we will get through this. I promise we will get through to the other side. Obstacles are a great reminder that no matter how good I got it, no matter how capable I am, no matter how many letters I got next to my name and degrees, there is something bigger than me going on, and I still am, I am daily in need of a loving God. And if I walk with him, my father is not going to let me down. In fact, I added this, I don't have it on the screens, but I just added this today because it just popped up. Actually, it was the verse of the day on you version. And I thought, what a great reminder. Nahum, the, uh, the, the prophet in the Old Testament, was reminding in a, in a time of, of difficulty to God's people in the Old Testament. He said this, as a reminder, he said, 1-7, Nahum 1-7 says, the Lord is good and a refuge in a time of trouble, and he cares for those who trust in him. So what do I do in a time of trouble when those obstacles, when they're just flying at me all along? I take refuge in him because he's faithful and he cares for the ones who trust him. So maybe I've been trying to do it on my own. Maybe I've been trying to baptize. Like, 
put it in the hands of a loving God, the creator and designer of this whole world. Stick with him. Tomorrow may not be much easier than today, but you can have a renewed strength, a hope. You can know that he cares for you, and you can know that the most powerful force in the universe is not only on your side, but is with you and is for you. And if you will allow him, he can bring something even beautiful out of the most unimaginable situation. And I know that's a really difficult thing to, to wrestle with, but it's true. In fact, some of us, in our challenges, our adversity, would do well to remember that we need to not confuse trouble for God. If people have hurt you, don't confuse people for God. Trouble is not God, and hurtful people are not God. He cares for you, and he will be your refuge. In fact, Jesus knew this was gonna happen. Jesus, we go back to the author of our faith. Right before he went to heaven, after he raised from the dead, he looked at his disciples and he told them something really powerful and profound, and this has helped me on my journey. He, he left, with, with, left them with some parting words. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about it next week. But he's, among the things he said is, he, he, what he didn't say was, hey guys, stick with me and you'll have it easier than everybody. You know what he said in John 16, He said, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. So don't be surprised when it comes. If you can, try not to blame me. Feel free to ask why, bring it all to me, but just remember, I didn't bring this to you, it's a broken, fallen world. But he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It doesn't end this way. Even if it's not going the way, even if somebody's life on this side of eternity doesn't even go the way that you expect it to, just remember who's in charge and that in the end, I get the final word and I get the final say. I have overcome the world. I thought of telling you different stories about this, but um, I had such a, a picture and a model of this in my life. And rather than tell you one of my stories, I wanna tell you about one of the most incredible men I've ever gotten to be around. There's five men who really shaped who I am. Um, two of them were the pastors of the church that I worked. One of them was Pastor Hooker, whom, whom many of you met last year. But the, the lead pastor was not Pastor Hooker. It was a man named Gary Hoyt. Gary was one of the... the the, one of the greatest men of God, is one of the greatest men of God I know, highest character, knows how to pray. Um, that's uh, him and his wife, Lori, and then me and my wife. Uh, in 2007, when we went on my first missions trip to China, that was my first of three trips to China, I'm actually 28 in that picture. Uh, I know you don't, it looks, uh, I look like I just got my driver's license. Um, <laughs> Gary was an incredible man. What you need to know about Gary was when he was 40 years old, he got in a car accident and broke his neck and lost all mobility from the armpits down. When he was 42, I started to work at their church and my host family was Gary and Lori Hoyt. They invited me into their home two years after a most unimaginable accident. He led a church of over a thousand people, led thousands of people to Jesus. And for 15 years while I served under this man, I never once heard him complain. I never once heard him make an excuse. He led with a dignity, he led with character. He didn't say, well, I was gonna be a pastor, but now I'm in this wheelchair. He led from a wheelchair. And I showed you that picture in China. You couldn't tell from them, but he was in a wheelchair. I carried him physically up the Great Wall of China because he was not gonna let any obstacle in life keep him from enjoying the life that God had and reaching people all across, across the globe. This is one of the most influential men in my life. I got, to, I got close enough to him where he uh, let me really in close to his personal life and we would talk. And he always was talking about how God was what God was doing in him and how he could be more of a light to this world. Two things that I'll never forget he said was the, the first time he ever really told the story at our church about the accident. He was in the hospital for months and he'll, he'll come visit 
when we get the new building and we make it way easier for him to get up here because you want to hear from him. But he said, I was laying in that hospital bed and I asked God why. And he didn't answer the question, but I'll never forget what I, he goes, if I've ever heard God speak to me almost audibly, here's what I heard him say. Just know that I deeply love you. And he goes, it wasn't what I wanted to hear, but it was what I needed to hear at that moment. Fast forward to about 15 years later, this is about five years ago. I'm in another venue with him traveling and he's speaking and he's sharing his story. And he said, he's been in a wheelchair almost 20 years at this point, leading a church, serving Jesus, being a husband, being a father, chasing his kids in their dreams all around the country, traveling the world, never lost a beat on what his mission and what game he was playing. He said, you know, me and my wife were the other night talking about if we had the chance to do it differently, if we had the opportunity to go back, would we change the outcome or would we do it all over again? And his answer floored me. He said, if I could go back and do it over, I would do it exactly the way it went because I am who I am and God's done what he's done through my life because of what happened. I'd like to believe I could say that at some point if I went through something like that, but I'm not gonna give myself that kind of credit. But I'm so glad that that was one of the key voices in my life for 16 years of my adulthood as I was growing as a leader and growing in my relationship with God. And so I have a unique perspective on this because I was one of the, the ones that was close to him, walking him through the season of life where the world would say, you have all the reasons to doubt God, blame God, go do something else. And I think he completely epitomized the words of Paul, perseverance, character, and hope. And hope does not disappoint. He has a lot in common with Paul and the challenges, and it's, I believe, why Paul writes this. I close with this thought. Later on in a different letter, he's referring to some of these same things. Paul says this in Philippians chapter four, in one of the most quoted out of context scriptures ever. We're gonna give you some context to it. Paul said, I've actually learned to be content no matter what the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. In fact, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Not I can do all things because I power up. No, no, I can do all things because there is a God that when I put my trust in him, he cares for me and I can take refuge in, in the time of trouble. I can do all things, whether I'm on top of the mountain or down in the valley, whether I'm in need or I have plenty, no matter if gas is $1.99 a gallon or $6 a gallon, no matter who's on the throne, who's sitting on the presidency, no matter who my boss is, no matter who my next door neighbor is, whether my job's never been better, my 401k has never been better, whether my job's never been worse, my 401k has never been worse, my relationship with my kids have never been better, never been worse. I've learned all of it because I can do anything. I can go through any obstacle. I can knock out any turtle. I can knock out any mushroom. I can go through anything because he gives me strength. That's not a verse to be prayed before you go play the basketball championship. That's a reminder that no matter how good or bad it is, that there is one who can strengthen your soul. We said it a while back. If you wait on him, he will renew your strength. If you trust him with your heart, your soul, your character. And so, as we close, here's my question for you. In this current season, let's call it the level you're playing right now. Your current season is your level. What obstacle are you facing? We all probably have one. And it's not a competition of whose is worse. 
because yours is yours and it's what matters to you and it's what matters to God. But what obstacle are you facing? Would you invite God into that obstacle? Would you dare to ask him, God, what are you doing in me and through me? How do you wanna use this for your glory? How are you shaping me? And it's fine to pray, get me out of this. Please keep praying it. But have the, but until you do, help me to stay close to you. Because our natural inclination is to run from him and blame him. But he's the only one that can truly help you. So whether you're behind a screen at home or whether you're here in person, I just wanna invite you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. And I just wanna pray this. I wanna pray for us. I wanna kind of pray through this idea of these obstacles. But if you're, if you're here and you're just saying, man, pastor, I needed to hear this. I'm, I'm going there. I'm facing some adversity. I'm going through a challenge. I, I need to invite God into this area of my life. Will you pray for me? Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. That's me. That's me. You don't, don't leave it up. I see hands everywhere. Just, just you acknowledge him before God. If you're online, you can click the hand. We'll pray for you. We've got a, a virtual prayer room. God, I pray for every single one of my brothers and sisters who raised their hand. I pray, God, that they would know that, that there is a, a loving Father in heaven who is worthy of their life, that as we turn our life, as we put our trust in you, that you will be a refuge for us, that you will care for us, that you will walk with us, that we have the most powerful force in the universe by our side. I pray, God, that we would be reminded that, that obstacles require action, that, that they're inevitable. But God, I pray that we would focus not just on the challenge, but the opportunity, and, and that you would daily remind us and, and bring us back to the place where we are reminded that you are always with us and that we need you. And God, I thank you that no matter what we're facing this day, this week, this weekend, that we can do all things because you give us strength. And if there's anybody here who has never put their life or their hope or their trust in Jesus, I would say to you in this moment, there's no better time than now. Why not give him a chance and see what he will do in you, through you, and for you? All you gotta do is invite him in. So God, I thank you that you love us. As we go through this week, let us not be caught off guard with the obstacles that are facing us, but let us lean into you as you give us hope and joy and you get us to the next moment, the next minute, the next meeting, the next day, because you are always with us and you love us. Amen.